Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 228 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I has disappeared once again, so I'm joined by the fantastic fantastic replacement the former heavyweight world title challenger nowadays the cruiserweight vegan mr eddie chambers eddie thanks for coming <laughs> on again man yeah yeah there's no problem man you know, already know that so I, did. I, like, I like the cruiserweight vegan maybe that might be my name if i ever decide to go back in <laughs> that would actually be interesting <laughs> but <laughs> diving straight in fast eddie the cruiserweight vegan oh i like that <laughs> Diving straight into the review part of the show, we're going to start here at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. Um, over here, the Golden Contract Tournament, we got to see Lee Wood take on Jazza Dickens. Obviously, Lee Wood 23 and 1 going in, Jazza Dickens 28 and 3. Um, it was for Lee Wood's WBO European Featherweight title. It ended up being a majority decision, though, over 10 rounds in favor of Jazza Dickens. It was it was definitely an upset, actually. I was I was happy for Jazzy. You know, he's um, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a character, and um, he boxed tremendously. He really did. It was a cracking, cracking fight. He had Lee Wood hurt, and there was a round. I can't remember which round it was now, but. You know, it was quite shocking to see Lee Wood actually get out of that round. And then, of course, um, you know, Lee Wood came rallying back late on as well. I think it was the final round. He seemed to have Jazza in some trouble as well. So a brilliant, brilliant fight, that one. Um, so, yeah, great win there for Jazza Dickens, the new WBO European featherweight champion. Um, also on the bill, we got to see Tyrone McKenna take on Mohamed Mamoun, former European champion. That one again over 10 rounds. A unanimous decision though in favour of Tyrone McKenna. Um, very, very surprising. That one was for the WBC International Super Lightweight title. It was it was quite it was quite shocking to be honest. Um I didn't actually score the fight but I didn't feel like I needed to. I felt like Mohamed Mamoun was a massive favourite going into that fight. I thought he may even, um, you know, may even get Tyrone McKenna out of there, but I don't think Mohamed Mamoun's much of a puncher, so I could see it going the distance. Mm. Um, I even backed him, uh, backed him to win. I put a little bet on actually for Mamoun to win. He should have won. Um, the you know the commentary team had him winning very wide. Um, it's like a it's like a you know, they call it the golden contract tournament basically it's it's over three separate fight dates and there was eight men to begin with obviously four against four the winners went on to the next round so this is like the semi-finals and the winner of the uh, so the semi-finals that means there's four guys left so two fights on the night on on on, on the weekend just gone and the first fight took place one guy won O'Hara Davies the guy and he actually joined the commentary team after his fight and he said just before they read out the verdict he said yeah you know it's going to be me and 
me and Mohamed Mamoun in the final, but no, to everyone's surprise, a unanimous decision in favour of the man that definitely lost. So, uh, yeah, quite shocking scenes there, but, you know, there there was some bad blood, of course, between Tyron McKenna and O'Hara Davies, so they will be fighting, um, you know, by hook or by crook, but... Definitely not in favour of that one at all. Uh, also on the bill, Ryan Walsh was able to pick up a win. 10-round unanimous decision there over Tyrone McCullough. McCullough was down in the 6th and the ninth round. Quite wide in the end on points there for Ryan Walsh. Um, O'Hara Davies, like I say, we... Uh, we mentioned him just there, a win for him, a, a TKO in six rounds against Jeff Afori. Afori was down in the third round. Moving out now, well, this one actually took place in the same venue, but 24 hours later, a um, couple of fights to mention over here. This one was on, I think it was on BT Sport, it was also on ITV, I believe. Brad Foster, the rematch against Lucian Reed. Um, very surprising, actually, because I think a lot of people... You know, a lot of people had it split. The first fight they had was a draw. A lot of people had that one split. That's what I'm getting at. Um, But the general consensus, if I remember correctly, was that Lucian Reed... You know, most people thought he'd won rather than the other the other bunch of people thinking that Brad Foster had won. I think, you know, it was about a 60-40 kind of split. But most people, I'm sure, had Lucian Reed winning. Could be wrong. But anyway, in the rematch, I mean, Brad Foster... (laughs) You know, he he proved that he went back to that gym and you could just tell he had something there. He had an extra gear that Lucian Reed didn't have. And Lucian Reed actually just seemed to box with, a, with the identical same tactics from the first fight. And it didn't work for him. He was actually pulled out um, by his corner after six rounds. And it was the right decision because he was getting battered in there. Um, Brad Foster now 12-0 and with two draws. Lucian Reed loses his 0-8-1 with two draws. Again, that one was for the Commonwealth and British Super Bantamweight titles. Also on that bill, we got to see Cody Davies lose his 0 as well. 10-0 and going in against Umar Sadiq. Um, 9-1. and Obviously, both men shared a common opponent, that being Zach Chelly. Um, Cody Davies actually... Um, beat Zach Chelly on on points, I think it was, or did he stop him? Can't remember now. But anyway, Zach Chelly beat Umar Sadiq. So again, based off of that, you'd expect Cody Davies to win this fight. But the old saying rang true: styles make fights. Cody Davies um, definitely didn't deserve to win, and he didn't. You know, he lost unanimously over ten rounds. Umar Sadiq. A lot of people thought just before they read out the verdict that he might get robbed. You know, but. Good to see the judges turning the uh, you know the right scorecards there. Also on that bill, friend of the show Willie Hutchinson moved to eleven and zero. He had a point deducted though. It wasn't um, it wasn't the easiest fight. It was quite scrappy. He had a point deducted in the fifth round, but he won um, on points over six against Edgar Sniedzi, who had a record of six and twenty nine. Now six and thirty. Also Dennis McCann returned to the ring six and zero. Now um, quite surprisingly, it went to points because he does like to get his men out of there quite early wasn't to be this time he banked six important rounds there against Pablo Navarez now nine and 20 with seven draws um also on the bill I should mention Muhammad Ali made his debut um his opponent actually got disqualified in the second round Stefan Sachev not quite sure what he did but a win there for Muhammad Ali and also um Ryan Garner he's now 9 and 0 oh, a points win for him over 6 against journeyman Jamie Quinn shout out to journeyman Jamie Quinn as well that was his 100th loss so shout out to him 
Um, but now, the big one, the big one, Eddie, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, yeah. USA. Um, let's start with the undercard real quick. Obviously, Isaac Lowe was on the undercard. Um, uh, uh, crazy. My man. Yeah, your, your man, obviously, he was on the show um, a, cu- a couple weeks ago. Um, a, a crazy fight. Adelaide Bird was one of the judges, which we always hate to see. Um, Isaac Lowe <laughs> did move to 20-0 and with three draws. He remained undefeated. Um, you know, it was it was a tough fight on paper because the guy he boxed, Alberto Guevara, 27-5 and going in. Really quite famous for his losses. Um, you know, he's been in there with some tremendous fighters. I think I've probably mentioned this a few times on the pod now, but he's been in there with um, with Shakur Stevenson, with Emmanuel Rodriguez, with Yamanaka, with Leo Santa Cruz. World champions, you know. And um, it was a big ask, really, for Isaac Lowe because his last performance was on the road in Las Vegas again, and he boxed another another Mexican, and he looked he looked awful, self admittedly, last time mm. out. But um, a win for him here, like I say, and there were six points deducted during the fight, three for either guy. Um, that one was for the WBC international featherweight title, but Guevara was down in the eighth round. Again, they didn't televise it over here, but um, yeah, various fouls were going on. Um, but yeah, unanimous decision over ten rounds for Isaac Loeddy. Very strange scorecards in the end. Ninety-six, eighty-seven across the board. <laughs> we don't get to see wow, that too that often. Weird. <laughs> no, you do not. Um, also on the bill, Emmanuel Navarrete, one of my favourite fighters of 2019. He's now 31 and one. Um, he stopped Ju mm-hmm. Santissima in the 11th round. I actually expected Navarrete to get him out of there a lot sooner than that, but that was a defence there, successful mm-hmm. of his WBO World Super Bantamweight title. Um, so he he saw off yeah. the uh, the Filipino fighter with ease, really, and the. The co-main event, Charles Martin, 28-2 and two now with a draw. A TKO in six rounds against Gerald Washington, now 20-4 and four with a draw. Um, obviously, Washington saw himself on the floor in round six. Um, it, it, it went the way I expected it to. I do like Gerald Washington. He was on the show, I think it was last week. Mm. Um, you know, Charles Martin's been on, I think, once before. So I, I've got loyalty with both guys. But Gerald, I made I made no, no bones about it. I said it on last week's show. I want Gerald to win, but it was a tough, tough ask. Um, it seems like, Eddie, mm. when Gerald is under pressure, Mm-hmm. You know that that saying, the old um, pressure burst pipes. It seems to it seems to really burst yeah. his pipe time and time again when the pressure's on. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, watching Gerald and and you know, it makes me want to kick myself in the behind. But watching Gerald fight and looking at the fight he had, and, you know, his first draw he had was with Amir Mansoor, and early on, Amir Mansoor gave him space and let him kind of do what he wanted which put him in a hole. But then you can see through the course of the fight, he started to pressure him and started to just try things and just throw punches to just stay on him constantly. And you can see that that eventually won him to a point where he really didn't have any offense to come back. And then you see, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, we like to call, uh, I call him the baby, the big baby. And not actually big baby, but it's funny enough, him as well. Both guys, you know, overwhelm him with, with punches and pressure and just to go to the point, each time it's happened, 
it's been a tragic end for him, you know what I mean, in the ring. So every time I watch Gerald, if he wins, he's got space. He's able to fight from range. He's able to use his jab and throw the big shots behind it. But as soon as as soon as a guy pressures him, as soon as a guy throws big shots at him, and, and, and you can kind of also see his inexperience with it too. It's like dealing with pressure is something that experienced fighters have a better, you know, obviously they're better at doing, you know, better at dealing with. Um, and another thing is too, experienced fighters, they understand how to take punishment or punches better. I know it sounds ridiculous, but fighters can accept and receive punches better. They know how to ride with the shots. They know how to deal with, you know, oncoming traffic so to speak, with with punches. And when you look at Gerald, when he gets hit clean with big shots, he takes the full brunt of the punch. There's no riding. There's no none of that. And that's just an experience. And it's sad when you look at a big athletic guy like that that had, you know, some potential. And it's just he just he, – once he gets to a certain point, when he got a guy that's as big as him in front of him and has more skill and more understanding of how to deal with punches and just – you know, boxing in general, it's going to end up ending that way. And I feel bad for him because he's like, it's always like, he's always going to be right on the brink of having an opportunity like he had with Deontay Wilder. And which funny enough, he was winning the fight with Deontay Wilder, but once again, taking chances, getting too excited and experienced stuff. Yeah. And he pointed it out to me, reminded me once again, you know, it is quite remarkable, you know, the, the career he's had because he only had eight amateur fights and you know he, he reminds right. me you know he, he's been learning on the job as a professional um right. just just going to quickly whiz through what i really saw throughout the six rounds i mean the first round gerald washington was was loading up with a lead a lead right hand he, he continued to throw this lead mm-hmm. right hand not nothing you know he wasn't setting mm-hmm. up with a jab or anything it, it seemed to be getting through though um but then at the yeah. end of that first round he got caught with a big shot he was forced to hold on and he really mm-hmm. did hold on um you know so much so mm-hmm. that the referee pretty much had to peel him off he he, he was staggering a little bit mm-hmm. and um yeah the bell came at a good time for him um i still felt like washington may have actually edge the first round despite all that um right right round two again a much a much improved round by washington you know it was cautious but calculated when he was attacking he made mm-hmm. sure he threw one or two shots at a time and then got out of the way you know he was he was boxing smart and as yeah. a result of that martin didn't really have much success at all in that round again washington um you know landed some lovely right hands and he was able to beat martin to the punch round three a complete nothing round, really. Probably just you'd have to edge it to Martin. He was the aggressor, but again, both men had had little to no success, really. Um, round four mm-hmm. for me, I gave that one to Charles Martin. He he landed some heavy shots in the dying seconds of the round, um, and again, mm-hmm. like you said, Eddie, when Gerald gets hit, he does get hit bad, and he looks he looks you yeah. know he panics a little bit, and. Um, Again, it's, mm-hmm. it's coming 100%. coming back to that that you know that that fact that he just doesn't deal with pressure very well. Um, round five, a Martin round for me. Washington was looking a little bit uninspired at that point. Um, it was a bad time mm-hmm. in the fight as well for Washington. It, it seemed like you know a decent start to the fight was kind of slipping away from him, and then of course in the sixth and final round, down he went. It was a big left hook from Charles Martin. Washington's arms were down, and his chin was in the air as well. When when I saw the replay, mm-hmm. um, he was wide open, and like I say, down he went. He got back up, 
but Tony Weeks did the right thing. Um, it's a bad, it's a bad result though for Washington again. You know, I do kind of ask myself, Eddie, where does he go? Because every time I speak to him, he he comes mm. pretty much with the same. Um, the, the same stuff. He says, you know, I, I've learned from that loss there. You know, I'm, I'm a much better fighter now. If I'd have known what I know now, I wouldn't have lost. And you can't mm-hmm. keep really recycling the same lines. It seems like he's kind of found his level. He's just, he's a contender. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's a, at this point, you know, he's, you got to give him credit where you got to give him credit that he's actually made it this far with limited understanding of, of, of important aspects of boxing. So you got to give him credit there. But at the same time, like you said, he's reached the ceiling, you know, maybe. And when you look at a guy who's 37, you know, you're going on 30, uh, 38 and you're starting to think like now he hasn't had the lengthy career. So he hasn't taken a lot of punishment. So he still has a little bit of time, but if you continue to keep ha- having these kinds of results, People aren't going to want to get behind you. Even if you were losing fights that weren't really exciting, but, you know, you were getting, you weren't getting knocked out, then maybe they can kind of say, well, you know, maybe he just hasn't found his rhythm yet. But the fact that you're getting hit with these shots and getting put down and it happening, it's happening almost regularly when you get in the ring at each time. He's what lost, he lost what, four now? And, you know, they have been close in the neighborhood of, you know, like, I mean, his last five fights i think i'm not 100 percent sure but i know he won one of them that i've seen and i'm not sure if he has any other i mean if he has under the radar for some guys but it just hasn't been looking good for him and i think the inexperience and catching up is starting to catch up with him now and you know getting into the sport late it's really really tough you got to be an exceptional fighter and i mean i'm not saying he isn't an exceptional athlete athlete but he hasn't been able to get over the hump and it's just it's sad but sad but true yeah, and he is he is a good guy. Um but yeah, you're right, you know. Mm-hmm. Two wins in his last six. Um a good win against Robert yeah. Hellanius, um you know, where he yeah. knocked him out. Yeah, that's right. But that was that was a I mean, I'm not taking anything away from that, but it was a fight he was losing on all three cards at the time of the stoppage, you know. Mm. Um and then his other How many rounds? What it, what round was it that he was stopped? I mean, did he stop Hellanius? He then? stopped him in the eighth. So uh, Oh wow, and he was losing Every round, or was he losing just... No, it was, cl- you know, he it was, was, down cl- it was close, but um, a lot of people think the cards were a little bit too close anyway, but, um, yeah, Hellenius oh, was right. winning the fight on the cards, you know, so, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But no, you know, mo- moving on, I-, I-, I just want to mention, we did the predictions last week, I went with um, with Martin to win by KO, um, the listeners went with yeah. Martin to win on points, I was quite surprised by that, because like you mentioned, every time Gerald has lost, it's been... It's been by KO, unfortunately, and um, Iaz went mm-hmm. with Washington to win by KO. Um, also, mm. I, I forgot to mention, Umar Sadiq, of course, beat Cody Davies on points. Iaz was the only one to predict that and get it right. Um, I went with Davies by KO, so did the listeners, so no point gain there for myself mm-hmm. and the listeners. And now, of course, moving to the, the very main event here. Eddie for the WBC heavyweight world title. Um, Tyson Fury going into the rematch with a record of 29 and 0 with a draw, and of course Deontay Wilder 42 and 0 with a draw. Um, Wilder down in the third round and the fifth round. Tyson Fury deducted a point, a very questionable point in the fifth round, but of course mm-hmm. the end came in round seven. Um, 
this 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 was one of the most satisfying fights I've seen for a long time, probably <laughs> even ever actually. Um, but yeah. I, I think we're on the same page, Eddie. When I say we're not surprised yeah. by the outcome, yeah. we're not surprised no, that Tyson no. Fury won the fight. I think the surprising element is how he won the fight, how he went on the front foot, mm. brought the fight to Deontay Wilder. Mm. And um, he did something, Eddie. He, he boxed in a style that no one expected him to do because it was the polar opposite to what mm-hmm. he did in the first fight. Right. Well, think about this, too. And I remember uh, when I was in camp and we were over there, we were working. I mean, one time we were sparring and I was still getting my feet wet and, and you know, and everything and just getting uh, used to putting the weight on and, you know, just our overall workload. And let me tell you, the Fury team works as hard as any team in the world, trust me. Barring weight doesn't matter. But um so I was getting used to that process, so you have to forgive me when I'm telling you and how things were going. But anyway, um he was he would different times he would do different things and Tyson's really, really talented, you know, when it comes to boxing obviously. But um he can fight in many different ways. And one way he brought up and he was, you know, we both understand the English style. The English style is more hands up, come forward, pressure, you know, and aggression. Well one thing that we we talked about, and one thing that he did one time when we sparred, he said, "I'm gonna use the English style when he's day." You know what I mean? So I said, "Okay, yeah, bring it on." You know what I mean? You're gonna be right in front of me. That's I like that. You keep coming to me. I like that. But what I, what you gotta realize is when Tyson, and at that time I think he was about two sixty or yeah two sixty five or something like that, and I'm at that time two eighteen, soaking wet. Now granted, I was big and bigger and stronger than what I am right now, but regardless of how strong I felt like I was, that weight coming at you aggressive with punches and pressure and pushing and mauling, you have un- you, people, it's just really people do not understand how difficult it is to deal with somebody that big, but with that array of punches and Wilder. And this is the thing when I heard him say that, and when I heard how he said he was going to be aggressive, I was like, ah, but then I thought about it. I was like, wait, if he attacks his right hand and what I mean by attacks his right hand is makes it, it he's kind of desensitized it, you know, I mean, desensitizing it to, to, to him as well by, Letting him throw it, throw it. I want you to throw it. I want you to use that dangerous punch that you throw. It It seems to have poison on it to everyone else, but I want you to throw it. But not only do I want you to throw it, I'm going to make you throw it. And not only am I going to make you throw it, I want to make you throw it on your heels because I'm going to be coming at you all night. So he was attacking his right hand, going at that particular side. I want you to throw it, getting under it, pushing him, mauling him, using that 270-pound frame that he put put on – in that fight, particularly for this fight, for this reason. And and then also roughing him up, you know, coming with hooking rights, straight rights, you know, just the array of punches, but at the same time not hesitating to push him, to maul him, to make him feel like he was, you know, just, just, just uh, in a fight that he couldn't win. And when you look at aggressive, big-punching guys, generally the guys were coming forward. And with Wilder, the guys that he fought, like they, they sit in front of you. You know, most of the guys that he fought and knocked out and had success with, with the exception of some of these guys. Now, when you look at Arthur, Arthur Spilka and you look at even Gerald Washington, these guys kind of move a little bit, and they gave Wilder trouble at times. But like Ortiz, even though Ortiz was doing his thing and he was up in the fight, there was always going to be a chance for Wilder to land that big right hand because they sit in front of him. Well, Tyson did it in a different way. Not He didn't necessarily just sit in front of him. But he made him, he put him on his heels. He would come and attack at angles at times. He would sometimes come in straight. He would throw shots coming in. He had him so confused and so disoriented that he had no idea what, how to attack. 
in Wilder, another thing that people don't understand, Wilder cannot fight inside. He is not an inside fighter. So the aggression and him getting close just took away any offensive opportunity for Wilder. Then on top of that, he's, like I said, mauling him, hitting him with shots inside. You know what I mean? Then then, then jabbing, then half step back, making Wilder throw. And then he's not a counterpuncher either. Wilder is not a good counterpuncher. Did you see some of the counterpunches that he tried to attempt with that right hand? It just looked like, I don't know, an amateur novice. Maybe maybe not even as good as an amateur novice. And I'm not trying to be rude or trying to say that he's not, you know, a quality fighter or a quality heavyweight. You know what I mean? What I am saying is when you put someone in a position that Tyson, like Tyson put him in, when you take them out their comfort zone, those are the kind of results. Those are the things that happen. You're not able to perform as, you know, you would normally perform. And he doesn't have the ability nor the skill, nor the skill, I'm not going to say ability. He has the ability, but we don't. But he he doesn't use it. He doesn't have the skill. He doesn't develop the skill come, as he came along to deal with what Tyson was bringing. And um, that's why the result was the way it was. Just want to quickly touch on the predictions. I went with Fury to win on points. So did Iaz. The listeners mm-hmm. went with Wilder by KO. Um, so, again, no one mm-hmm. gained a point there. But let's let's just talk through. I wish you I wish I wish you I wish you would ask me because I was going to go with Tyson with 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 mid to late round stoppage, but I, I ain't trying to throw. I'm not trying to say ah I told you so, but you know, go ahead. Do you think, Joey? <laughs> I mean, going through the rounds, you know, the, the the first bell went in round one, and straight away. I was I was very surprised, you know, because Fury did what he said he was going to do. He said from the first bell he's going to come out and meet Wilder in the center of the ring, and he came out, he was on that front foot. Um, I, I've got to be honest, I, I was a little bit scared. I, I felt it was quite risky. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilder did land mm-hmm. a lovely, big-looking right hand that, um, that got through, yep. you know, straight away within the first kind of yeah. 25 seconds. And it seemed to not, mm-hmm. it seemed to not bother Fury, but it, you know, it definitely connected. It was it a did. big shot. And, um, you know, other than that one shot there, cause again, when I saw that shot land, I thought, Oh, please, please, please Fury. Just, you know, <laughs> let's not get, you know, overboard. Like let's, let's be cautious. But I mean, other than that one shot, Ooh. Fury dominated the round. Of course he landed big shots himself. Um, again, I felt like it was it was scary tactics, but um, you know, a little bit messy at times, a little bit reckless. I felt, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he won the round. Round two, a couple big shots landed again by Deontay Wilder. A round I thought, um, I thought Wilder may have been winning, but then at the end, obviously, that was where Tyson, um, you know, he ended the the round well. Uh, pretty, pretty simply, you right. know, he, he may have just about snatched it. It was, it was a fifty-fifty round. I've seen a lot of people since, since the end of, uh, of the five. Seen a lot of people giving that round to Wilder. So, like I say, could have really gone either way. Um, doesn't really matter to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, um, round three, I mean, unbelievable. Fury was toying with Wilder, and it was, it was a one-two combination. I think the right hand ended up just above the ear of Wilder. Some people saying in the back of their head, but down he went. And mm-hmm. um, like I say, I was I was absolutely stunned because it was a big shot. He put him down, and straight away I was just thinking again. I'm so worried about about Wilder's right hand. I'm thinking, please don't rush in on him, you know. And um, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was round three, so a ten eight there. Round four, another fury round, but a little bit messy. Um, 
you know, Fury would mm. lean on Wilder in the clinch. I, I know mm. about those dirty mm. tactics, and I wave them on when it's a fighter mm. I like. Um, <laughs> Wilder, mm-hmm. Wilder was starting to yeah, look a little bit tired already in that fourth round, and mm. that was where his lips started oh, to yeah. bleed, his ears started to bleed. Um, round five, he, he was down again, Wilder. That was where um, where Tyson caught him with the left hook to the body. Um, I didn't. I didn't mm. think that Kenny Bayless was in his rights to take a point there, Eddie. Um, no real, nah. no real stern warnings before he took the point. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know the the, the situation is. You know, you're in the moment. Um, sometimes uh, things don't go as you know they should, and he probably got, like I said, caught in the moment and you know, made a made a really rash decision that he probably shouldn't have made, but it didn't affect the fight. So thank God for that. Um, again, I, I didn't think mm. it would. At that point, I was thinking, this ain't going the distance, yeah. you know? Um, round six, right. another big round for Fury. Um, at that point, I was actually thinking, you've got to give Wilder a lot of credit, you know? He's got he's got dog in him, for sure, mm-hmm. you know? He's got, he's got serious yep. heart. And then, of course, the final mm-hmm. round, round seven, Fury was just beating up on Wilder, and the towel came in. Um, there's, there's a lot of talking points, you know? There's... We're going to definitely avoid the talking point about the the weight of the suit that Wilder chose to wear. Forget about that. <laughs> but um, the towel coming yeah. in, Eddie, yeah. definitely the right thing to do in my eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, you know, there's always going to be speculation of, of, well, did you stop it too soon, or, or you know, if the ref stopped it, or if, or did the guy not give him an opportunity to get back? Look, Wilder was tired from round three on and it wasn't so much that he was like exhausted at that point but it was the beginning of the end for him you know what I mean it wasn't just because the knockdown that happened it wasn't just you know because of the you know the just the pace of the fight it was because Tyson purposely put that kind of pressure on him he was using that 270 pound frame to wear him down you know the punches around the side the arms you know laying on his on his on his neck the the the, the headlocks the leaning all of that's by design you know he, he, everybody's so in fear of wilder's right hand well what happens when you take it away you disarm him or you like i said you attack it you know what i mean and that's what he did then he also tried to then he make any fight off his heels you know guys that like to like are big punchers they like to come forward they don't like going backwards and remember we know Wilder's not a great counterpuncher nor a good fighter off the back foot, so why not attack him? And he did that, wore him down. And I think Mark Breland made an excellent decision to take him out of there before it got worse. His ear was already bleeding. It looked like he didn't, you know, maybe I thought we thought it was a busted eardrum, thought it was a broken jaw, but I mean, there's probably some major injuries in there that he needs to take some time off for. Maybe nothing too bad, but still, he needs to take some time away. You know what I mean? Because he took a beating, to be quite honest. I mean, we know he got a world-class heart. That's one thing I give him credit for. He has a great right hand, a great big right hand when he's thrown the right way, and he has a huge heart. That's his two biggest, you know, assets. But at the same time, that those two big assets can also be his biggest downfall. And in this case, it proved it. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the the way the way that Fury put that pressure on him and just went went after him and you know was that aggressive with him mm-hmm. was just it was just shocking for me. I just couldn't believe the way he did it. So when he knocked him out, I was you know I was completely over the moon, but I was in disbelief at the way he'd done it. You know, like Wilder's mm-hmm. right hand, the the. The way I describe his right hand, it's like even when he's not throwing it, even when it's just 
you know, he's just he's got it in that kind of position. He kind of keeps it like I guess he's got it cocked, hasn't he? His right hand quite a lot, even if he's not going to yeah. throw it. It's ready. It's ready to be thrown, and he's quick with it. He's got the power. He only needs to, you know, he doesn't even yeah. need to hit you on the chin. He only needs to hit you anywhere on the head, and you can go. Um, Malik Scott will tell you right. about that one, and um, you know he right. he. It's almost like Russian roulette. It's like at any minute, this this could be it. Bang, you know. Like I'm, this I'm, gun can go off. Yeah, That's this right. gun can go off. That's what it is. Um, yeah. So yeah, unbelievable. I feel like that definitely cemented for anyone that wasn't a believer. Um, that that definitely cemented that Fury for me is is the world's best heavyweight. And um, I thought that before the well, fight, but um, I was I was yeah. a bit worried going in because every every big Fury fight. I seem to um, write him off. Well, not write him off, but I seem to get the... I, I give a terrible prediction. So the this these are some of my famously wrong Fury fights. I gave Derek Chisora a massive chance going into their rematch, right? <laughs> that wow, was terrible. Yeah, wow. That was terrible. Should I, you should have you should asked me, Joe. Hey, the, you should have asked me. Do you know me. what it was? Because <laughs> Derek was coming off quite a good run before that, but, you know... Boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand. You know, I just thought, oh, the yeah. pressure, you know, he turned into that kind of, he was really aggressive. But anyway, forget about that. I picked, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not saying I picked Fury to lose that one, but I'm just saying I thought he'd have a right chance. No. Um, I, I, right. I a million percent didn't give Fury a prayer against Klitschko. I thought Klitschko would knock him out. I thought, uh, I thought Deontay uh-huh. Wilder would knock him out in the first fight. So I've got all of these wrong. And then um, in this fight mm-hmm. here, I picked Fury to win on points. And because I, I was quite confident that he was going to win, I was thinking, oh, my God, is he going to now lose? You know, like, but anyway, whatever. I'm sitting yeah. here now. I'm not even joking. I'm sitting here now in my Team Fury hoodie while I'm doing this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Yeah. Um, but but listen, but Joe, you, you could have just asked me about all those. And look, I've been saying, for let's say for the Vladimir fight, I would have been saying that, for probably since I was in camp with him, since I sparred him and I sparred and fought Vladimir, I said the one, and I always said the one thing that would make really, really it would be really tough for Vladimir to handle was somebody that would do what he does to other people and be able to do it. And the fact that Tyson's six foot nine, longer reach, uh, you know, probably a little more athletic and a little more, a little more better, you know, a little better coordinated, not as uh, you know stiff. But um, and he has all the savvy of a, of a normal boxer, a, a, a much smaller, a much smaller man. It just, it was just going to be a tough night for Vladimir. I mean, I hate to pat myself on the back or, you know, give myself credit, but <laughs> that's what happened. And it ha- and it continues to happen. And I think if they were, if him and Joshua was ever to, ever going to fight, it'd be the same thing. We, we'll get onto that in a sec. But yeah, I mean, how bad was the? Uh... Yeah. You know, my my thoughts that the the, the Chisora rematch was going to be quite competitive. You know, I mean that was like the biggest yeah. one sided yeah. beating ever. And I was obviously I was at that fight. Do you remember after that fight when? Um, I bet you don't remember this. Do you remember after that fight in the corridor? Do you remember that super long corridor they had in that in that arena? And it was a copper box, right? No, it wasn't copper box. It was like I think it was the X. No, no, not copper. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I keep saying copper box. I, I, I'm thinking of when we when I fought uh, Moses Matuvu or something like that over there. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Ain't right? that when I fought him? Or I don't know. No. I don't know. But, no, no, I, but this was when you I, fought Dorian Dodge, anyway. right? It was. 
It was that right, it right, was that, right. I don't. Right. It had like a hallway to all the dressing rooms, but it it was yeah. like it was like a mile long. It was it was so long. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember. That. Do you remember Tyson Fury after he beat Tresora? We were walking with him, and he was just <laughs> he was walking in this hallway with just the towel on. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that yo, the, 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 the wild shit that this boy did, the crazy shit that he did sometimes, it would just make you wonder. Like he really like like is there something really wrong with him? But it's just like he was just comfortable. He was always comfortable in his own skin, so Wow, but that was wild. Yeah, I do remember that shit. I remember him just walking around in a towel. I remember you saying, "Man, you're it's all swinging under that." <laughs> Yo, uh, you better have a, you better have clothes on under that, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure he did. But anyway, the fight, the f- probably not. <laughs> the fight, um, <laughs> getting a bit lost in my words. Um, the outcome. Fury Wilder. Obviously, there's there's talks about the third fight. I don't think anyone wants to see that. I don't really want to get into that. But um, Joshua's position. Obviously, you know he's got a he's got a fight Kubrat Pulev next. It would seem. Um, we want to get the the you know the undisputed fight between Fury and Joshua from a British standpoint. Of course, you know that is a massive fight. Probably the biggest fight we've ever had. So we'd love to see that right. one. But do you think, Eddie, that um, Tyson Fury, again, if he's not obliged to do the rematch and that, do you think he should go straight in against Joshua? Or do you think perhaps Wilder could fight Joshua if he wanted it? That and mean, then the winner you know fights Fury. You know but then there's a there's a there's yeah. a good and bad about that because the bad is if he knocks Joshua out, <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no big yeah. fight. Yeah. Right. Right. There is that. And that, and that honestly... Fact, wait, let me just, let me just interrupt you... real quick and just switch it up and say this. Go ahead. Let's just okay. hypothetically pretend you're Anthony Joshua. What should he mm-hmm. want to do? What should Fury want to do? And then pretend that you're Wilder. What should Wilder do? So who should they fight in that triangle? Who should they all want next? If I was... If I was Joshua. I'm going to start with that. If I was Joshua, looking at and armed with the knowledge I, I now have with Wilder, I would be somewhat interested in that. But the only thing that would kind of shy me from that and say, well, let me just go to Fury now. But then again, even then, because I don't see Fury losing to anybody. That's my opinion. You know what I mean? And if I'm Joshua, I'm probably thinking the same thing. Anybody else other than me, if I'm Joshua, right? So I'm thinking that that's going to be intact. But the opportunity for me to beat Wilder and for us two to have the common opponent Wilder and beat him, right? And say if if, if I'm Joshua and I stop, you know, uh, Wilder early or something, that then would make the fight on another level massive. You know what I mean? You would put, you would, you wouldn't, you, you might have to have standing room in Wembley too. You know what I'm saying? That's how big, or even in the other arena, I've heard the other arena has even more people. But um, so, I mean, if I was, if I'm Joshua, I want to, I want to just find a way to make that Tyson Fury fight huge. One way or the other, if it means fighting, having to fight Wilder first and take that risk, which I think is a huge risk, a but huge if he's to risk. win, it, then it, it's almost not worth it, taking it. Is it is a very that big of a risk. It's, 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 it is. It is. And you have to be 150% 
150,000% confident in understanding of what the game plan is and how to in, in, enforce it with, with Wilder. If I'm Wilder, I'm, I'm, I'm looking definitely to fight Joshua. Now I'm not thinking about fighting Tyson again because the way he was beaten, how soundly he was beaten, and then in the first fight, looking back and understanding that for whatever, if there was some kind of miracle to happen in, in, in say, the third fight, and he caught Tyson and knocked him down and, and had him hurting, and he was on Queer Street for a while. The fact that if he does get himself together, he can always go back to boxing and still win the fight. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like it's almost a no win for Wilder with Tyson, in my opinion. The only thing he can hope to do is catch him with a big shot, and hopefully he falls asleep when he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing he can hope for because there's no way, there's nothing that he has in his arsenal because he's, I don't want to say skillless, but he's very limited when it comes to skill. And we already know that he's not going to win a boxing match versus Tyson. So his best bet would obviously be to catch him. I think Anthony Joshua is a better matchup for him because Anthony Joshua is looking to get involved. You know what I'm saying? He's looking. I'm not saying that Tyson wasn't. Obviously, see what happened with Tyson. And he's looking to get involved. So he's looking, and he's not necessarily going to do the exact same thing that Tyson did. And even if he did, he might not do it as effectively. You understand what I'm saying? And he messes around and get caught in the middle and get knocked out with a right hand. That can happen. We already seen him go down with Andy Ruiz even though I think Andy Reid's a pretty well, you know, a pretty skilled fighter and, and and really fast and talented, but I still think that he it's a really 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 dangerous fight for Anthony Joshua and even even with uh Wilder it's still dangerous for him as well, but I mean at this point he's just got to go for broke. You know what I'm saying? In a sense he's going to have to make decisions that's going to get him either to cash out or put him in a position to get, you know, reclaim that dominance. And I just don't think it's going to happen with Tyson still boxing. For Tyson, sky's the limit. He can pretty much pick who he wants. I feel like he can beat both guys pretty easily. You know, he already beat uh, Wilder easily, and I'm pretty sure he'll do the same. And I'm not, I'm, I don't want to say I'm certain because boxing is, you know, anything can happen in boxing. But, I mean, this just Anthony Joshua's style is not, not good for fighting Tyson. That's just my opinion. So he can, I would, I would, if I was Tyson, I would obviously, I would want to go with Joshua and I would try to get to him before somebody else gets him out of there. So I can make this big money fight and knock him off and be, and be the, uh, the other guy to do it and, and, you know, and do it in dominating fashion. And then you're just the King. And if you want to retire, you can retire at that point because you're going to have so much money. It's not going to matter. <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoyed that little spontaneous thing we just did. That was pretty cool because, I mean, I agree with, with most yeah. of what you're saying there. I mean, Tyson Fury, I yeah. think he, just stylistically, I've always thought he'd have an easier time with Joshua than Wilder just because of that power aspect. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that's right. pretty much it. That's yeah. the open and shut. Um, so I'd like to see him fight yeah. Joshua. I think Joshua's got a better chance of beating, obviously, Wilder um, than beating Fury. Yeah. And I think, again, Wilder's right. got a better chance of beating Joshua than beating Fury. So if they were to fight each right. other, it's, it's just too risky, though, because it really could end up, um, um, yeah. you know, getting in the way of the Joshua Fury massive fight. But, again, if you're Deontay exactly. Wilder, you don't care about what they're earning. You want that fight. And right. if Wilder uh, was, by exactly. the way, able to knock Joshua out, which very, very well could happen, that probably would yeah. get people saying, yeah, maybe. Uh, Maybe we want to see the third fight, you yep. know? So, 
Interesting, interesting yep. dynamics there. But um, yeah, definitely for me, yeah. Fury is the not just the Gypsy King, but the heavyweight king. Um, <laughs> no doubt. That is it for the preview part of the show. We've gone through that um, not not too quickly. We, we took quite a while getting through that. So it is now time. Let's let's end it here. It's now time to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA Super Lightweight World Champion. He is, of course, Mr. Regis Progray. Regis, welcome back on the show, my man. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Liam. Always, always a pleasure, my friend, every single time. So, we last spoke back in November. Um, obviously, it was just after the Josh Taylor fight. I know you felt that the fight was close. Everyone knows the fight was close. Um, has your mind changed at all in, in, in any kind of capacity since we last spoke regarding the fight and the outcome? Uh, has my mind changed? No, I mean, I thought the fight, you know, I know, I mean, of course, everybody knew it was close. I actually thought I won. I had a multiple people thought I won the fight. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't like that, you know, I, I, sometimes it's hard for me to, you know, say some things because some people take it as they say it's an excuse and all kinds of stuff. So I don't really like to talk about it too much. But since we are, you know, I mean, I was just at the Fury fight and, you know, it was it was more, of course, more English fans there in Las Vegas than it was American fans. And most of the people was like, man, I, you won that fight, bro. You won that fight, bro. And dudes was coming up to me. They was like, I'm, I'm Scottish. Now you won that fight. And, some other dude was like, I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, and I thought you won that fight and all that, you know. So, I'm just glad that you know the outcome is the outcome. You can't change it or whatever. It, you know, it is what it is. That's how it goes or whatever. But um, I'm just glad that the English fans really embraced me. You know, they really, really embraced me, and I can't wait to come back over there and fight again. You know, because um, you know the the English fans is, is you know they y'all are like no other when it comes to boxing. And you know, I always want to come over there and fight and. You know, one of my dreams came true, you know, that when I did, when I did come over there and fight. Yeah, and you know, you said that before the fight and you're saying it again after the fight for sure. We we, we loved having you and of course we want to see you back at some point. But um for now your next fight has been announced. It's gonna be against the former WBO world champion Maurice Hooker. Um it's on an Eddie Hearn show, yeah. right? So you're the away fighter for this. Yeah, it's the Eddie Hearn show. Yeah, I'll be I'll be the away fighter again. Um but yeah, it's whatever, it's cool. Yeah, but it's uh yeah, Eddie Hearn will match from and you know, that's what we doing. And obviously the fight takes place April 17th in Maryland um, you know obviously at one point in 2019 you you were champion Hooker was champion Ramirez um, w- was also a champion obviously Hooker lost you lost is this fight about proving that you're above Hooker's level because I know there's there's you know there's it, the, it has to be yeah, for me yeah. this, this for me this fight is proven still proving that I'm the best in the world at 140 you know just get my re- my main my main thing is to get the rematch with you know Josh Taylor eventually so my main you know is just to go out there and prove that, you know, I'm still, you know, the top dog at 140, you know, and then or, or if, you know, if people don't believe I'm the top dog at 140, just to keep climbing and just to keep proving that, you know, I am. I am. That's what I want to do, just keep proving I am the top dog at 140 and, um, you know, just, just go out there and be dominant like I've been doing, basically. And, of course, Ramirez knocked Hooker out. Will you be hoping to do what he did, but perhaps even sooner than he did? I know in a, in a, in a few of your previous fights and stuff, for one point you were um, getting rid of people quicker than Terence Crawford could do. Is that is that what you're going to try and do here? <laughs> um, you know what? It's, uh, it, it's always going to be in the back of your mind, of course. You know, to to get him out of there quicker than Ramirez did, but at the same time, you know, I don't I don't really. 
don't know, man. You know, is it, it, my I think my mind will always change. You know, it'll always change. Like as the days go on, some days I'll probably be in sparring. I'll be a little more confident. Think I'm gonna knock him out earlier. And sometimes I might want to box and you know do different things or whatever. So um, of course in the back of my mind, it always you always think like you know I'm competing. You know, I'm competing with Ramirez or whatever. But at the same time, and I think he's gonna know that also. He's gonna know that I'm gonna try to you know beat him quicker than Ramirez did, so I think he's going to be on his P's and Q's with that also, especially after the, you know, when I fought Dongo and I got him out of that quicker than Crawford did, so, you know, I know it'll be in his head that, oh, he's going to try to, um, you know, do the, do the job quicker than Ramirez did, so he'll, I know he'll have a, you know, he'll definitely be on his P's and Q's with that, so for me, it's just go out there, and, you know, and, and fight a great fight and, you know, just get back on, get back on the, the high horse like I've been on. And I hope I'm getting the timeline right, but correct me if I'm wrong here. Since Hooker lost to Ramirez, he's left his previous trainer. He's now training with you know Terence Crawford's trainers like Bo Mack and uh, and those guys there. We've only seen one round right. of him. He knocked a guy a guy out in the first round. Are you expecting to right. see a completely different version of Hooker? Because you know guys like Jamel Herron, they've gone over to that camp and completely improved in all areas. You know. Yeah, I mean, probably so, you know, and I mean, like I said, I think he's going to call my, I mean, this is a big, basically, this is a big proven fight for both of us, you know, like he's going to, you know, he's definitely going to want to beat me and I'm definitely going to want to beat him. So I think he is, you know, for him to, you know, leave his trainer and stuff, he wants to make a big improvement. Um, So I, for me, yeah, I think so. I think he would come out and, you know, try to make a big improvement on his, on his, on his game plan and on his just overall fight style and, you know, go out there and yeah, basically try to, you know, beat me or whatever. So I think I I do I really you know I think he is he's gonna come out probably better. So my job is to prepare for you know the best Maurice Hooker possible. And obviously we know it's no secret Jose Ramirez is is the guy that you wanted to really fight. Um, you know, pretty much right. immediately after the Taylor fight. Can you ever see that fight right. happening, Regis? I, not right now, no time soon. You know, I I don't think you know either one. You know, um, Jose Ramirez or Josh Taylor. I don't think they will fight me. You know, anytime soon. You know, so you know maybe. I mean, in boxing, you never know. Some things never happen. Um, so you know, we'll see. But that's it's still a fight that I wanted. But I think he's probably going going to go up to one forty, one forty seven eventually. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Hope, but hopefully, hopefully I get it. You know, I still. I still want to fight the best people in the world at 140. Um, and then after that, my, my goal is to, you know, do my thing at 140 before I go to 147. And, you know, I was a, a world champion at 140, but I want to get, you know, I definitely want to get my belts back before, um, you know, before I move up to 147. And politics aside and all the rest of it, if it was down to you, what would your next three fights be after the hooker fight? If it was up to you, in what order would the fights be as well? You know what? Um, I think I would go for like a Mikey Garcia fight at one forty. Um, Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor, basically all Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Either one, I think those are three huge fights for me. You know, but I, of course, my thing is I have to. You know, they won't be big if I don't beat Maurice Hooker. You know, I have to beat Maurice Hooker. But those fights would be huge. But I think those are huge fights for me. Like I said, one at you know um, Mikey. I think Mikey will be a huge, huge fight. And uh, he's with Matchroom. He's with Eddie also. And and then after that, either if Jose Ramirez still has the belt or Josh Taylor still still has the belt, that's what you know. That's what I would want to do. So, 
Um, I think those are three, you know, three great fights. And, you know, F, hopefully, you know, I can get those fights. And those between Jose Ramirez and um, Josh said they have the belts and, you know, get the belts back like I had. And then after that, that's when, you know, I think about going to 147. Yeah, those those free opponents, I'm sure we'd all love to see. Um, obviously, Mikey has to take care of business as well this weekend against against uh, Jesse Vargas. Um, I want to I want to get your take on Wilder Fury too. You mentioned you were there. I wasn't aware that you were there, but what was it like to be there? Obviously, it must have been pretty crazy. Oh man, it's crazy, man. Um, the like I said, man, the English fans are so rowdy. I, I love it for boxing with y'all because. You have such a small country, and they just all so rowdy for boxing. They love boxing. It's, it was more. It was more English fans there than it was Americans. And and from what I saw, you know, unless they was just so rowdy that you had to only pay attention to them. So, um, it was a it was a great atmosphere. Um, and I, I mean, that fight was history. You know, it's a historical fight. I'm glad that I was there alive. You know, I can always people will look at those fights forever, and they, you know, and I was there alive. So, I mean, you know what? He Fury said he was going to go out there and just press him from the opening round and just beat him up, and that you know he did. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He just went out there and he dominated from the opening bell to me. You know, I don't. Um, Wilder didn't have nothing for him, you know. He just he beat him up, and I I really thought that they should have stopped the fight a little earlier because I you know he took some he definitely took some damage. Um, but yeah, I mean Fury, you know he he did his thing, man. And I I congratulate him. I take my hat off to him because, um, I, I didn't I I really didn't pick him to win. Also, I I thought that Deontay Wilder was gonna win. Um, only because you know he always has that you know he has that equalizer. So I really thought that he was gonna win, but. Like I said, Fury went out there and just, you know, he just dominated. He did what he was going to do. And, you know, congrats to Fury. I hope they, you know, I hope they can make Undisputed. Um, hope they can make the Andy Joshua for Undisputed. You don't want to see the, you're not really interested in the third fight between him and Wilder? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it could make some sense, but I'd rather see, you know, let, let's do history, you know, like, you know, let's, let's see history. Let's see if, you know, he can, um, like, just, become undisputed basically you know that's what i would really want i really would want to see who do you think could win that one if it were to happen i got fury man I, for me before that fight i thought that deontay Wilder was the best heavyweight in the world um and he's still of course definitely still one of them but i mean fury is just you know he just i mean you know just his movement and how big he is you know it, people say he doesn't have power and stuff like that he doesn't have deontay Wilder power but still you know i think that you know he definitely has power he's too Two hundred over two hundred fifty pounds. So you know when you're that big, you have no choice but to have power, and you know that's exactly what you know. That's that's what it, that's what happened. So you got him. You got him beating Joshua if that one happens, though, yeah. I got him. I got him beating Joshua. Of course, I could be wrong. Most yeah. of the time in boxing predictions, I am wrong. <laughs> but um, I got yeah. But I got him. <laughs> and just finally, Regis. Obviously, I like to ask you this every time. Anyway, just if you've got any closing words for your UK supporters, like you mentioned, since you've boxed here, you've you know you've you've really grown in terms of uh, your your fan base over here. What's your what's your message to the guys that support you from over here, my man? Uh, to, to the UK fans, man, first off, I love y'all. I really just appreciate everything, you know, like just all the love I had over there. And I can't wait to fight. You know, I really can't wait to fight over there again. Um, you know, I, I know I said that, you know, of course I said 
you know, I'll fight, you know, the next three fights I can fight, you know, a Mikey and Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. But um but even, you know, I can they have like Lewis Ritson over there, you know, so maybe, you know, that can that could be something also. That can be a that could be a fight over there in the UK also. So we'll see, you never know. We shall see. But I definitely would wanna I definitely would wanna come you know, I definitely would wanna come back over there to the UK and fight again. Of course, like before my career, you know, is over. Yeah, and we'd love to see you back, Regis, like I say. But listen, it is always great speaking with you, my man. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for April 17th in Maryland. I'm sure that we'll catch up sometime right after. Right, of course, of course, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. We're going to... We're going to discuss the news at the very end. We're going to dive straight into the preview part of the show. We're going to start here um, at the... Ooh, where shall we start? We're going to start here at the Samstown Hotel and Gambling Hall tomorrow night in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Friend of the show, Keith Hunter, of course, the brother of Michael. He was originally supposed to be taking on the undefeated Malik Hawkins, who was 18-0. However, Hawkins has pulled out of the fight and in steps a late replacement, Sanjabek Rachmanov. Um... Record stands at 12-2 and two with a draw. He actually boxed Keith Hunter two fights ago, and Keith Hunter won a split decision over eight rounds. Rachmanov was down in the second round, but it was a real close fight. Like I say, a split decision. Um, so, yeah, they're getting it on again. Hopefully, our man Keith Hunter can... Um, can win again, and um, he won't ever have to see Rachmanov again. Moving out now to the Paramount Theatre in Huntington, um, New York, USA. Couple fights to mention on this bill. We've got Carlos Takam, 37 and 5 with a draw. He's in a 10 round contest against Fabio Maldonado, former opponent of Michael Hunter. Um, that one is a 10 rounder. Maldonado, 26 and 3. Um, the main event over there, Cletus Seldin, 24 and 1. He's in a 10 rounder against Humberto Martinez, 33 and 9 with two draws. That one's for the NABA Super Lightweight title. Moving out now to Spain at the Navarra Arena in. Um, in Navarra, um, over here we get to see Kerman Leharaga, 29-2. and We'll be speaking to the guy that inflicted both of those two losses on his record in a matter of minutes. He's in a 10-rounder, by the way, Leharaga, against Jose de Jesus Macias, who's got a record of 27-9 and with three draws. Coming down to the final two bills to mention, like I say, trying to fly through this as quick as possible. Um... At the PAL Center in Delaware, USA, Hank Lundy, 30 and 8 with a draw, friend of the show. He's in an 8 rounder against Ezekiel Fernandez, 28 and 3 with a draw. Um, and now the final card to mention at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, USA. Um, over here, hmm, where shall we start? Let's start with the undercard. Diego Pacheco, the young prospect, 8 0. He's in a six rounder against Oscar Riojas, who's 21 and 12 with a draw. The former WBO heavyweight world champion, Joseph Parker, 26 and 2 battle. Sean Dell Winters, 13 and 2. Um, Sean Dell Winters, interesting character, really. 39 years of age, 13 and 0, tw- uh, sorry, 13 and 2, 12 KOs. Um, obviously, 
these two losses, one was a KO loss back in 2017, one was a majority decision, but the good thing about um, about Sean Del Winters, the most impressive thing anyway, is that he went out to, um, to, to Canada and beat Alexander Teslenko, who's a Ukrainian fighter based in um, based in Canada, and you know he was tipped for some pretty big things. He was sixteen and zero with with uh, twelve KOs, I think. And um, Sean Dale Winters, thirty nine years of age, went out there and stopped him in five rounds. It was a big, big upset. So that has pretty much earned him a shot here against Joseph Parker. Um, it's a brilliant card, by the way, because also we get to see um, three. I think it's is it two or three world title fights? It might just be two. Um, Julio Cesar Martinez, fifteen and one. We know him very well, of course, for beating or. Well, for beating Andrew Selby and then of course having the no contest against Charlie Edwards he defends his WBC title 15 and 1 he takes on the Welshman Jay Harris 17 and oh all the best to Jay Harris really really good fighter um, he's coming up against a tough champion, though, in Martinez. I really hope Harris can pull it off, though, over 12 rounds. Also on the bill, we get to see our very own Cal Yafai. I think that's our longest reigning world champion out of all of our current um, you know, title holders. 26-0, Cal Yafai. He puts his WBA world super flyweight title on the line against... Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, 48 and 2. Obviously, Gonzalez, a lot of people pretty much know he's, um, you know, he's, he's certainly past his best now, for sure. Um, it has been a long time, though, since his two losses back to back against Wisaxil Wangek in 2017. You know, it's been a while. It's, it's been a lot longer than I thought. It's been, um, yeah, coming up two and a half years. He's had two two fights in that time. Um, and he's won both of them by KO, so he's got 40 KOs on his slate. It's a tough ask there against Cal Yafai. If he wins, he becomes a little bit of a superstar there. And, of course, the main event, Mikey Garcia in search of win number 40. He's 39-1. and one. Coming off that loss to Errol Spence, he takes on Jesse Vargas, 29-2 and two with two draws. Um... It's an interesting fight, Eddie. I've got to give Mikey a lot of credit for actually staying at 147. I'm very, very surprised to see him do it, um, you know, without there being a belt on the line. But I'm kind of guessing he's been a champion at the lower weights. He's he's obviously been a champion at 140 most recently. So um, it looks like he's just trying to become a welterweight world champion, so it would seem. Um, but, but I still am quite a little bit surprised to see him stick around at 147 after such a bad display against Errol Spence. Obviously, you know, Vargas isn't, isn't, um, you know, he isn't Errol Spence and, uh, Errol Spence is absolutely mm. huge for the weight, but it's, it's going to be a good fight. Yeah. Initially, I thought Mikey Garcia would win quite easy, but then I had Jesse Vargas on the show a couple of weeks ago and hearing him talk, you know, he said a few things. He said, every fight I have, I always bring the action. It's never easy against me. And I thought, you know what? He's right there. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a, a complete yeah. war, I think. Right, right. Well, I mean, with Mikey, I mean, I, I really, I really got to take my hat off to him and respect what he's done. I mean, he's always trying to put himself in a position to be great. You know, taking on Earl Spence, you know, at, at, at coming from what 135 or you know just going or 140, I'm sorry, and going straight up to to fight Earl Spence, not you know probably the best welterweight at the time, you know, either between him or um, or Bud Crawford, and um, Let you me know, just not necessarily just say 
He, um, he, no, 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 you're good. He, um, weirdly enough, he was at 135. He was world champion at 135. He moved up to 140 and boxed Broner. And then, of course, he yeah. boxed for the world title against Lipanets. He then won the fight. Yeah. And then he moved down again to 135 to box Robert Easter. He beat Robert right, Easter. Right, that's right. And then he moved straight from 135 up. up to 147 again. He's a bit crazy. Right. I mean, well, like I said, he's always just he's just trying to find a way to, to, to almost challenge himself, which is great. I mean, you look at athletes, the top athletes, you always got to find. Sometimes you're not just fighting the opponents, you're fighting, you know, against yourself. You know what I mean? And, and, and how difficult you can make it. I know I do some things like that when I'm, if I'm if I'm if I'm in against somebody who's not you know not on my level, then you got to find other ways of getting getting the challenge. You know what I mean? So I respect that what Mikey's doing, and I think that's also part of what he's doing here, staying at 147. He's trying to make himself a welterweight, kind of like what you said. You know, he's going to stick around. You know, and he, then he's not even taking necessarily an easy 147 fight. He's taking a fight against a guy who, quite honestly, does make it difficult for you. So you know, you got to respect what he's doing. I mean. It's probably going to be a successful night. We're just hopefully, hopefully he can look good in winning this fight. I don't know about a stoppage. I mean, like like we always say, Jesse Vargas makes it difficult on his opponents. But you know, if if it would be a statement, if, you know, for Mikey if he can win this fight and in, in winning, not win it convincingly, but even if he could somehow swing a stoppage, I mean, it would be really, really impressive then, even after what happened with Earl Spence. Yeah, well, like I say, got a lot of time for Mikey. He is on the intro every week. A, a fantastic guy, and even more than that, a fantastic mm-hmm. fighter. Really, for me, one right. of the best fighters in the world. Um, definitely, you know. I I actually thought he beat Spence. I was really wrong on that one again. But, um, you know, Perhaps. interesting. Yeah, interesting to see him sticking around at 147. It makes it a great fight. Jesse Vargas acknowledges himself that he is... Um, you know, definitely at an advantage that the fight's at 147. He was actually thinking about moving up to 154 himself, but um, he stuck around for this. So, very interesting fight, and uh, I think it is going to be a typical Jesse Vargas fight. It's going to be packed full of action. Hopefully, um, we see a great fight, and hopefully, the best man wins. So, uh, interesting stuff yeah. there in Texas. But that wraps up the preview part of the show. We've gone through that a lot quicker than we did um, than we did the review part in part one, of course. Um, like I said, we're going to mention the news at the very end. We're also going to mention the the, uh, the prediction league at the very end because we have gone to the predictions on some of this weekend's fights. Um, so we'll get onto that after the second interview. But before we bring in guest number two, the final thing, Eddie, is just to say goodbye to yourself. Thank you once again for joining me. It's... Uh, it's uh, it's it's another another time you've saved the day. It's been another Joey and Eddie podcast, and um, that's what I, I always that's pass what it over to you, and you kind of don't know what to say because you've you've been in this position about twenty times now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, all you got to do is call. All you got to do is call. Yeah, you know that. I mean, uh, like that's my thing. All you got to do is let me know, man, and call, and we set it up. But look, at the end of the day. You know, I, like I said, we, you know, talking boxing is awesome. I mean, we, I wish I could do it for a living. I know at least see a lot of guys and a lot of guys tell me, hey, why don't you just go ahead and call somebody and see if you can get on one of these shows? It's not that simple, but um, it's it's nice to be able to help out a friend for one. And uh, and then talking boxing, it's not, this isn't, this isn't work. This is not work. This is one of the easiest things that you could possibly do. If I can get, like I said, if I can get a job like this, I'd be extremely happy. So, you know, thanks for having me on, Joe. 
and any all you got to do is call. <laughs> if any other podcast um, operators or workers are listening to this, no, Eddie is not available for use. <laughs> I'm just gonna put. We that. talk about paid stuff. There's <laughs> only free one. <laughs> exclusive, but um, <laughs> that is it. Exclusive. It's an exclusive player. Oh, no, please don't, do please don't do the British accent. You don't want to do that on this podcast. That was not even a British accent. Well, let bad. me just say that. Yeah, you must be bad at the British accent because I thought that you were trying to do it just there. That's how bad you are. At it. No, that was not. All right, wait. All right, let me put you on the spot. Do you want? Do you want? Are you that confident in your British accent that you want to actually no, do it on the podcast? I, 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 I'm really not that confident, <laughs> to be honest. I just do it because I know it, it annoys people sometimes. And sometimes it sounds funny. Not that it sounds good, it just sounds funny. That's the first like, there's the voices I can do. That. Oh, yeah, I always, of course I'm not going to tell you that. And I don't care if you're listening. I'm still, I still have a great British accent, whether, whether you like it or not. But to everybody else, no, it's terrible. But it's all good. I'm not mad. <laughs> All right, my man. So that is it, though, for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up part two, the final thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA welterweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. David Avanesian. David, welcome back on the show, my friend. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good, David. How are you? I'm very, very good. Now I uh, wait for training. <laughs> Excellent. So, David, we we last spoke almost four years ago. It was back in uh, back in May 2016. It was just before you beat Shane Mosley. Obviously, a lot of things have happened since then. You know, you've had the fight with Lamont Peterson. You've had uh, the fight with obviously Kavalowskis. You've boxed Kerman Leharaga twice. Um, just talk to me briefly about those two fights against Kerman Leharaga because you were unbelievable in both of those fights. Yes, it's first time you say me for fight Kerman Leharaga. I understand that it is. It's your win. It's your win. It's your loss. It's no bad for your career. Maybe finish. And I give everything for my best, for training, for my thinking, everything, for need this win, this fight. I go this fight for for my last fight, understand? I go what last fight, everything give. If I need, I win this fight. Is I recover for my uh, rating for everything. Everything better for boxing. Same before Los Kowalowskis. And I go, my team together, and many people support for me and win, and good win. Many people say, oh, maybe, no, like, maybe boxing. I need a rematch. Is rematch German win 100%. Many people know report for David win. And now second fight, David win for first round is now... Show now again for big, big way. <laughs> it definitely did. And obviously we knew Leharaga because he knocked out Frankie Gavin. He knocked out Bradley Skeet. Everyone was starting to think he was going to be, you know, a really big threat at welterweight. But you absolutely destroyed him in the first fight. And then, of course, in the second fight. So 
Josh Kelly will be the next man you fight. Obviously, the fight was originally supposed to take place place in 2018. Um, When Josh Kelly pulled out on the day of the fight, I believe it was, how difficult was that for you? Because I know it was difficult for the team. It was difficult for Neil Marsh. It was difficult for Carl Greaves. How difficult was that for you? Yeah, difficult for anybody from my team. It's the number one difficult for me. Uh, I'm flying for England before fight six weeks. Live here. It's hard training. Many people think number one and difficult for fight. For uh, for me, number one difficult for training before fight. Every day, two training, hard training, and you only live, sleep, training, eat, sleep, training. Nothing, not see your family, not see your children, not see uh, nothing. Understand? Is you fly different countries? Yeah. Now, many years, David England, I have here friends. It's better for before. It's before first time David goes so first maybe two three years it's very difficult for me and you give every for your um, yourself yeah give everything and if before fight four hours people say Neil go say me David you fight no fight you nothing fight Kelly say but feel is no fight I say ah you joking mate he say no it's really it's this time you understand for what you give everything for nothing, understand? Yeah. It's your hard training, it's your, your time, it's your time go, it's nothing, no fight. It's, now I'm happy, yeah, it's fight victory and bigger, much bigger fight. It's uh, made and wait for London or two arena. I'm happy, it's good. I now understand why David need again give hard training for everything for need win. For me, for my fight, for my family, for my fans, for my friends, everything. And of course, since the fight was supposed to happen, you've had three fights. All three fights in Spain. You've won all three by knockout. Josh Kelly has also had three fights. All three of them have gone um, have gone to decision. Two wins and a draw. He hasn't looked very impressive lately. Who do you think has benefited more from those three fights in between 2018 to now? No, I, I never think same, understand? I don't need my my head same, Kelly, maybe now for slow down, start fight, maybe now. I I won't uh, need noise, I need win fight. I give everything for win fight. I For me, better for think Kelly now for Kelly feel better for me, understand? If I need Pinky for Kelly Becher is I need work on every for my best for win this fight. I don't think for Kelly points, Kelly draws, it's not possible for me. It's for me, I need win. I know. And I don't think for Kelly would fight, uh, draw, it's not just David Wing KO. Only, only confident for fight, focus for fight, understand? Yes, yes. And only focus for Kelly, Ocho Arena, Medinwood is David need win. And, you know, like I say, you've had big fights. You've boxed Shane Mosley. You know, you've boxed some very good fighters. Would you say that Josh Kelly is a better fighter than Kerman Leharaga? So, difficult to ask you. (laughs) Is Leharaga a different boxer? Uh, Josh Kelly a different boxer? Leharaga a very good 
uh, aggressive guy, very powerful. I see for fight before my fight, Leharaga, I see fight is many KO Leharaga for Frankie Gavin and Bradley Skid. I understand what I go show many fun, Bilbao, many fun people for aggressive, understand? If you go around, it's starting first round, Kerman, many punches, power, you think, yeah, Kerman, natural power. Uh, two, I think so. Josh Kelly and Leharaga, two um, different fighters. Yeah. German go forward for punch, punch for aggressive power. I think Josh. Um, I don't know. I think maybe many for for fifty amateur, fifty professional. Understand is for uh, style. Yeah, style. Very different style. Yeah. Diff- it's, yeah, different. Is I I I think for German power fight and Josh Kelly. I think German very for power for Josh Kelly. Understand? Yeah, for sure. Is German? Uh, you see German statistic: twenty-seven fight is twenty-two loss KO. Or, or, Win KO. Yeah, before yeah. my fight, German have twenty-seven fight and twenty-two KO. Yeah. And no, I understand. Very it, different. Very different now, styles. Now. Yeah, it's now many many Bilbao fans message me every time. Maybe I go London see your fight. Many fans is what say uh, support now for me. Understand? <laughs> yeah. I message. I is now speaking for Leharaga Kerman. He's good guy. Kerman now still speaking message. Good guy. He now have fight 28 February. Say okay. Yeah, he say go. He said, I go for London for you, my friend, go see fight. <laughs> many Bilbao, many Spanish people fly here, many Russian, Armenian people, English people, everything go. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, I want to ask, I want to ask yeah. the pair of you this, obviously, for those that may not know, Carl Greaves is, is next to David helping assist with this. Um, I'm guessing the pair of you must have seen the big fight on the weekend. I just want to get the pair of your reaction to that. Obviously, Tyson Fury bringing the, the WBC belt back to the back to the UK. <laughs> yeah, it was it's great for England. I mean, one massive night that was. I mean, a lot of people wrote Tyson off, um, never gave him a chance. They thought that, um, that Deontay Wilder would knock him out, but Tyson proved once again what a great fighter is and he's the best heavyweight on the planet and now we need to see the AJ fight. Um, that's going to be some fight that is and uh, that's what that's what we really need to get on now. Who do you both think wins that one should it happen? I think Tyson Fury. I just think he's he's got every trick in the book. He's skillful. He's, he proved he can fight on the front foot as well as the back foot the other night and um, we're, we're definitely putting favourite now in that fight. I mean... I can't wait for it. I really hope it happens. It'll be massive for Britain, and um, it's just great that Britain's got um, all the all the bolts. I mean, the heavyweight championship of the world is in Britain with Anthony Joshua and uh, and Tyson Fury. It's just amazing for British boxing. Brilliant time to be a fan, of course. Um, and just lastly, David, if you've got anything that you want to say, you can say anything at all. If you've got anything, just before I let you go, um, any any last message before we before we finish. I want to say for everybody, from, uh, first I say my family, thank you for support for me and my uh, friends and my team. Anytime Carl now give Neil, Carl, everybody, every time see Carl. Number one team in England, 
people in car, morning, evening, morning, <laughs> evening, every day she comes. <laughs> it's same for my uh, Russian fans, Armenian fans, and my English fans. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you for support for me. I feel and I um, give everything. I take uh, hard work, training every day to session. It's thinking only for fight for I need this win fight. Thank you, everybody. Say again, it's for David Avanesha. Absolutely. Listen, David, it has been fantastic speaking with you again. Also, thank you, Carl, as well. Best of luck for March 28th at the O2 Arena, and we'll speak sometime afterwards. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 228 of the Box Art Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the former WBA super lightweight world champion Regis Progray and the former WBA welterweight world champion David Avenisian. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Um, Craig Richards has been forced to pull out of his hotly anticipated showdown against Shakan Pitters for March 28th due to a viral infection. In steps a replacement though, Chad Sugden. He's the replacement. Um, obviously, many will remember that Craig Richards boxed Sugden to a draw back in December at York Hall. Um, the winner, by the way, of Pitters against Sugden um, will have to defend the British title against Craig Richards, to my knowledge, after that anyway. So we will perhaps see the uh, the Pitters fight against Richards after all. In other news, Josh Taylor's next fight has been announced. It's going to take place at the SSE Hydro in Glasgow on May 2nd. He'll be boxing his IBF mandatory challenger, Apinan Kongsong. Um, but that's about it for the news. The Prediction League currently stands at myself in the lead on 24 points. I, as and you, the listeners, are both tied on 17 points. There are three more fights we've predicted um, this weekend. So the scores may move around. You, the listeners, have backed Jay Harris to knock Julio Cesar Martinez out. Whilst I'm hoping that that happens, I am going against it for the prediction. I believe Martinez will be the guy that gets the KO. Ayaz has also gone with my prediction, a Martinez KO. We hope that we're wrong, though. Believe me. Also, you, the listeners, have gone with Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez to KO Cal Yafai. I'm in agreement with that, but Ayaz has gone the other way. He reckons that Cal Yafai will etch out points decision. And finally... You, the listeners, have backed Mikey Garcia to beat Jesse Vargas on points. I'm also in agreement with that, but Ayaz has gone with Mikey Garcia by KO. Um, that will be the first time Jesse Vargas has ever been KO'd, so that will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that fight the most this weekend. But that's about everything from myself. Thank you all for listening to this week's podcast. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.